Welcome to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photographer Chris Don Felber. Chris Don is an editorial and commercial photographer based in Brooklyn, New York. He has worked with clients such as Rolling Stone, The New York Times, Golf Digest, North Face, and Victory Journal, to name a few. In this interview, I speak to Chris Don about how he got into photography, some of his early assignments, and how he approaches advertising work. Chris Don is a photographer whose work I really admire, um, so I was really excited to get a chance to speak with him. So I hope you guys enjoy it, and thanks so much for listening. All right, well, uh, Chris Don Felber, uh, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for taking the time to do this, dude. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I was excited. Uh, fellow RT grad, I've been following your work for years, so I was excited to talk to you and see everything you've kind of been working on. Um, but I guess just to kind of start off, like, what have you been working on lately? What's... Uh, last couple of weeks or so um i mean last couple of weeks I've just been honestly just chilling I, I came off of a bunch of really uh intense ad jobs and i was just traveling a lot yeah um so just taking a little bit of me time which is important and taking a, a break i went out to i did a big shoot in las vegas and i went to joshua tree hung out there went out to la hung out there for a little bit and then of course when you get back it's just kind of making up for lost time and everything that you've neglected so it's like taking care of, uh, you know, website updates and Instagram and uh, invoices and all that, yeah. you know, fun stuff that photographers have to deal with that no one really <laughs> understands, you know, the fact that it's a business. Yeah, definitely. You feel like that, like, uh, you feel like it kind of comes in ways for you. I feel like that sometimes it feels like I get busy, like for like a month or so, and then it'll be like a little mellow. And then it's, it's all kind of comes at once sometimes. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's usually the name of the game. And it's, you know, as I feel like as long as I've been doing it, like I, I still, I still get really like anxious when it comes time. Like when it, like I, I always like working and then when I'm not, I always get a little bit nervous. I, I, I feel like I'm getting better with it because yeah, you realize that during those down times, it's about working again, either making up for lost time and doing those things that, that you've neglected. Um, you know, even if it's just like personal stuff, but like, you know, even, um, you know, working on personal work, you know, trying to hit up more editorial clients. Um, yeah, stay, I mean, there's always something to do. Staying I mean, like, productive. Yeah, like right now I'm just making, you know, I'm trying to design some some new promo pieces, uh, making prints for people, uh, updating websites. Like I'm just, there's just so much to do all the time. <laughs> um, and it's almost impossible to, to keep up with. So there's always something to do. Yeah, definitely, man. Uh, how was Joshua Tree? Was that your first time out there? Um, no, it was my third time. The first time I went camping out there with my brother, I took a road trip from, um, Atlanta, Georgia to San Francisco. My mm. brother got a new job and, uh, his company was paying for his move. So I was like, all right, let's ride along. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's drive across the country. It's beautiful. Um, and then the second time I, I stayed there with my brother as well. And this was the, uh, the third time I was there. I just rented a cabin by myself. I just hung out and, um, it's really beautiful. There's some weird people there. Um, but it's just like the the polar opposite of New York city, which is exactly what I wanted. It's just like lots of space. Yeah. No one. Um, so for me, it was just really like relaxing and just turning off the cell phone, turning off the computer and just kind of disconnecting for, you know, four or five days. Which That's I think good, man. Re just to refresh, recharge, recharge. Exactly. Um, but I guess just to kind of go back a little bit, I was kind of curious, like where you grew up and like, what are kind of some of your earliest memories of photography? Um, like I grew up in the suburbs of New Jersey. Um, we had a, you know, in high school, we had a really strong um, art department that, that really helped. Uh, you know, one of the teachers was a Cooper Union grad. He's great. So I, I was, like, really involved in, like, painting um, and, and just that whole 
art scene in uh, in high school. It was basically like art and music were my were my things I was doing. I was in a bunch of different bands and painting and doing all this. And then um, my mom went to Parsons School of Design for painting, so she was always very creative. Aw- yeah, creative and aware of what was going on in the art scene, which was great. And she would always bring me to museums, and we'd go out to museums together. And we saw um, uh, this one show it was um it was what's his name i think i got his book yeah kenneth josephson okay at the whitney um he's not like a really well-known guy but he actually went to rit as well funny enough um and i just loved his work it was really witty really clever um i went when i was maybe like 14 and i came away came away from that wanting to explore photography more my mom gave me her old like minolta you know it was like srt 101 her old camera um, and just started to experiment with that. And then the girl I was dating at the time in high school, uh, she was a part of the, like the photography club. There was like a camera club. There wasn't like a, yeah, yeah there wasn't like a, an actual class, but it was, it was great. And, and, you know, I, I learned how to process film, you know, develop film. And then there was a little dark room in the, in the school that was essentially like a, like a janitor's closet that was converted into a dark room. Like no one knew what it was. It was this weird kind of sketchy room off to the side in the hallway. And I would just spend, uh, you know, my, my lunch breaks there, probably pretty stupid considering there's so many chemicals in there. And then, um, and, uh, you know, study halls, I would go in there and just try to spend as much time as possible. And, uh, I even remember, you know, try to stay late and there were, there were two different art classrooms and each teacher had a key to the darkroom. So I would take one and then tell the other guy that he was going to be leaving early. So I would just be able to stay there to like two in the morning this is Chris Don's dark room. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd come out at like two in the morning and the janitors would still be working. I'm like, what are you doing here? Yeah. Um, but it's great. I, I just love that, that the solitude of, um, of the dark room. And That's pretty cool. So your, your, your folks were pretty supportive of, supportive of your photography all along kind of. Yeah. I mean, I think it was honestly between music and photography. And I think between the two, my parents were much more supportive of photography as opposed to music which i think makes a whole lot of sense yeah they're like at least there's like a commercial application yeah. to photography and i mean there is to a certain extent with music but it's tough so much more competitive and i'm i'm honestly glad that they gave me that advice because i think it would be a really difficult um life pursuing pursuing music. Now, now you photograph musicians so you yeah. kind of get the best of both worlds. yeah no exactly no it's true <laughs> that's it's, cool i guess like what kind of stuff were you photographing even like early on when you, in in high school what kind of stuff were you kind of when you first picked up the camera um I mean, I photographed, you know, my, my girlfriends at the time. And then I'd also, you know, the, the nice thing about growing up in New Jersey, I know it gets a terrible reputation, um, but what makes it so amazing is that you're, you know, so relatively close to the, the city. So you can just hop on a train and, you know, within 45 minutes to an hour, you know, be in the in the heart of, of Manhattan. And so I used to go into the city a lot and, you know, go to St. Mark's Street and just explore. I went to a lot of shows I was really into music like went to like a lot of hardcore shows I used to go to like CBGB's and ABC No Rio which was like a big kind of alternative hardcore spot so me and my friends would go there and I would just you know shoot a lot of the local the local people um but yeah I was, I was always really into like street photography that was something that interested me at that time Marilyn Mark was a huge influence um and uh, just trying to like explore a lot of the the New York city scenes that I was just so unfamiliar with. And, you know, having a camera was just sort of an excuse to explore these characters and, 
and the city life. That's cool, man. Yeah. And like, when did you kind of start? Obviously, I know you went to RIT like me. Um, how did you kind of decide to go there? Like, uh, when did you kind of start thinking <laughs> about that? I guess. Um, it was actually it was in the back of the uh, that Kenneth Josephson book. There's like a little biography, and he said, "I gotta find that for you." Um, yeah, yeah. He went to RIT, and I saw that. And there's this other guy who was, I think he was like a year ahead of me, maybe two years ahead of me in school. And he was like the guy, he was like the camera guy. He was amazing, way better than I was, way better than anyone else in, in high school. He was like one of the best photographers and he had nothing but great things to say about RIT. So I was like, all right, I guess that's the place to go. And funny enough, actually, I ran into that guy, Kenneth Josephson at a gallery show like years later, might've been like 2009, 2010. And so I started talking to him and uh, I was like, hey, I went to RIT as well. And then he told me how much he hated it and he actually dropped out. And I was like, oh shit, I did four years. He said about an M&P, it was like back in the day, like the, you know, the 50s or something. And they still had M&P back then. And he was like, I hated that stupid class. It's pretty funny. I actually read Ansel Adams' biography and he, he didn't go to RIT, but he was talking about go, visit, just visiting Rochester. And he I think he said something like, I can't, I don't understand how any photographer could live here. <laughs> it was just pretty funny to hear him talk about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like how was your experience at RIT? Do you feel like it was kind of a valuable experience? Like how do you kind of... Yeah, about? totally. I mean, I think it's like any... Um, any like curriculum that that forces you to shoot, I think is really good. I mean, uh, just having a dialogue and being surrounded by creative, like-minded people, I think, is really important. Um, and and I was never super technical. Like I knew, like I I tried to get good at it, you know. And especially when I was going through school, it was that kind of like very technical kind of lighting, you know, like. Jill Greenberg, yeah. Jim Fiscus, everyone kind of really admired those people. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was that kind of aesthetic, and then there was also this kind of fine art aesthetic where everyone was shooting Hasselblad, like centered, um, which is fine. And, and it was great to be influenced by that and have that sort of competition, which was really nice. You know, uh, there were a lot of great shooters there, and it just kind of forced you to up your up your game a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and I think just being like in that world and having that community, I think, is, is super important. Yeah, there were some good people there. Like you were there, uh, Pari uh, mm-hmm. Dukovic was there, Kyle DeRose, Tom Schermacher. There was a lot of good photographers that were in that kind of when we were there. Yeah, it was great. And, and you know, again, it's like you see these guys, and it becomes you sort of feed off of each other, and it becomes competitive, and mm-hmm. like in a good way. Yeah. And I miss that. You know, um, it was fun. And I remember shooting for the reporter. Oh, I, I shot that too, man. It was so fun. <laughs> the magazine, yeah. And do you know um, Tom Starkweather? Oh, yeah. Because he does a podcast as well. Oh, I didn't realize that. Brian Formales? Okay, I'll check that out. Um, yeah, he was a great photographer. But Because he was the photo editor at Reporter, so I was just like so excited to be a part of that magazine and getting assignments. And it's like, it was so amazing. It's like, oh, I've, you know, yeah, it was I like, loved you it. It was, a job. Yeah, it was so exciting. It was cool. like little, I remember the little office there and you go down there. I love it. And uh, when I was there, it was Jason Svetko, who was the graphic designer. And now he's like the graphic designer for Nike. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I loved it too. Cause it was just like free assignments just yeah. to shoot, this a reason to shoot. Well, and that's the other thing is like a lot of these people who you went to school with, even though if they, you know, they don't necessarily become photographers, they end up in other areas of the industry, whether they're producers, Retouchers. whether they're art directors, whether they're photo editors, yep. which has helped me a lot. I mean, just having that network mm-hmm. um, 
really, really helped, honestly. Yeah, I remember even in uh, RIT, there was one project I still remember you were shooting. At, I don't know if it was like a halfway house or like, oh, yeah. yeah, what was that project all about? Because I, I still remember, I think you were shooting like crazy. Hasselblad. What was that all about? Wow, yeah, I can't believe you remember that. Um, <laughs> shit. Uh, yeah, I did an assisting job while I was still in school for this guy his name ian london because i met him through mary ellen mark i was her assistant or i was her intern at that time and i met one of her assistants and he was really sweet he kind of like took me under his wing and and showed me the ropes a bit and i assisted him on a job i believe it was for like forbes magazine on it was like a profile on zippo lighters so we went to this weird town um in the middle of the rust belt in pennsylvania called bradford pennsylvania which is kind of like um, Northwest Pennsylvania, actually relatively close to Rochester. Like I, an hour and a half. I think I think like Levi's did a whole ad campaign. They did they did Braddock. Oh, but, that what it is. But yeah. similar yeah. similar aesthetic, similar vibe. It's like that old mill town. Like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you know, an old industrial town. Um, and I was just like kind of in love with the aesthetic. It was just so weird, and it used to be a really um, a prosperous town, and there were like all these signs of prosperity which to me was really fascinating um and so i I just thought it'd be great to go back and there was this one specific place it's called uh the riddle house it was was originally called the holly hotel because the um i think it was like the holly brothers i I don't know don't quote me on this but they they basically started like the holly carburetor there like that was like the the factory okay and the holly carburetor was later used in like model t fords so there was this like it started like the whole like birth of that city was founded on these like this old school industry yeah. like kendall oil i think is based out of there so very blue collar mm-hmm. um and then somewhere along the lines this building became essentially like a really like basically low-income housing slash a halfway house and i remember going in there and just it, it was just so strange and there's so many characters um and just aesthetically, I've always been sort of like drawn towards that kind of like worn out Americana vibe, you know, very like Alex Soth yeah. um, kind of look. Uh, so I was able to get equipment from the cage, which was like the rental yeah, yeah. <laughs> place in, in RIT. And, you know, I guess once a year you could, or once a quarter, you could get like extended checkout. Yeah, it was like around Christmas time. You could get it for like a month. Yeah. So I, or I think it was before that. I think it got Dave, the guy who was in charge. I was like, well, I'd like to you know, take some lights and a Hasselblad for like a week. Would that be cool? And I, and I was able to take them out and I just drove mm. to this place um, and skipped like a week of classes and uh, just stayed at this, at this halfway house. I think it was like $70 for the week. Oh, wow. So you're sleeping there. Yeah. It was, it was really sketchy. I don't think I would have <laughs> done that now. Like it, no, it, was, it was like not like the door didn't lock. Um, like it was so cold because the heat didn't work, so you had to like roll yourself up like a like a burrito. And I slept with a magazine because like they're cockroaches and they'd go like crawling across your face. It was so disgusting. There was a guy who lived across the hall. Yeah, oh, I'm trying to remember his name. I've got it written down somewhere. Oh, it was so gross. He 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 was really sweet though. He invited me into into his little apartment, and uh, he was missing like all of his teeth. He had the biggest ashtray I've ever seen, just filled with cigarettes. He just chain smoked. Yeah, and he invited me in, into his into his room, and he he goes, uh, "Would you like a bologna sandwich?" I'm like, "What?" <laughs> I'm like, "All right." And he and he opens up his sock drawer, and instead of socks, there's just like Roach. bologna. Oh, bologna! 
and like stale bread and he made me a, a sandwich and I ate it with him. And uh, it was just like so bizarre. Like it's really. Yeah. And then I found out like two years later, like this woman got murdered there, like pretty much in the same room where I was. It was like a really yeah, I was, sketchy environment. I still, I still remember it vividly because they were this, like the photos were just so raw. And even like looking at your work now, it seems like you're kind of drawn to the shooting, like kind of everyday people. Obviously, you shoot like famous musicians and all mm-hmm. types of other people. But look, even looking at your uh, personal work, like you did this cool project on, uh, I think it's called, was Mariachi. Uh, oh, the Mariachi Plaza. Yeah. Mariachi Plaza. And it's like you really kind of like it, it seems like you enjoy like immersing yourself like in these people's lives because like you're like it's similar in the sense like you were photographing these mariachi players and you were like in their van this kind of really yeah. is <laughs> is that kind of something you enjoy I love this, that really just kind of finding interesting characters pretty much yeah i mean I, I i've always been drawn to that like even in terms of like writing i love that kind of you know people call it new journalism or gonzo journalism like i love like gay talise yeah. he's amazing you know an incredible writer and he would do the same thing um you know Hunter Thompson comes to mind, Tom Wolfe, all those guys. Yeah. Um, and I always just thought it'd be fascinating to kind of do the same thing, uh, except with photography. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know why. I think there's something really, uh, you know, beautiful and unique about these, you know, these characters and kind of immersing yourself into this, into this environment and sort of becoming a part of it. And, and you know, it can become dangerous though too. And that's the hard part is, you know, at some point you sort of have to draw that distinction between whether you're, you know, your subject and being the reporter or the photographer. And I've had a couple situations where it got a little bit like too personal and dicey and I just sort of had to had to cut off connections. And oh. that's really, really hard. It's, it's a tricky line to walk. Oh, yeah, because they start to like, because you're like photographing them, but then they almost start to feel like they're your friend or something. Kind yeah. Of, and it starts to get kind of weird. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, because like, the thing I've always enjoyed about your work, even like one series, you did a little book on it on your website. It's called Night Walkers, mm-hmm. and I'm I don't know how you did it, but I'm guessing are you just kind of just going up to people on the street and just kind of shooting their portraits with that yeah. series? Uh, is that something you've always just been like good at? This kind of approaching like whoever. How do you kind of? Uh, no, I mean I think like without the camera, I think it's way more awkward because at least with the camera, you have an excuse to talk to them. You have an ex- like you have a reason to be talking to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was just something that I know that I needed to learn and get really, really proficient at, um, because it carries over into so many different types of shooting, you know, I mean, whether it's editorial, you know, celebrity portraiture, you get, you know, sometimes you get 30 seconds with someone and you got to make it work. So for me, it started off as an exercise as just being like, okay, well, um, let me start approaching people on the street and getting them to essentially, uh, agree to getting their their photograph taken and not only agreeing, but, you know, making it look good, obviously, uh, within, you know, a certain time frame. And, you know, you only have what five seconds to talk to someone on the street before they either say yes or no. Um, so for me, it was like more of like a, of an exercise of like, okay, I need to get, need to get good at this. But I mean, I think it all stems from, uh, you know, a certain sense of, of, curiosity i suppose yeah i like it i i I like i enjoy doing that too like photographing this like random strangers because it is a challenge and i i know like when i first started like doing some of that stuff it's like 
at least for me, it's almost it's almost like a rush in a sense because it's a challenge. You're nervous sometimes to like approach these people, and like you said, it's like an exercise of learning how to communicate with people. And those photos, I think, are the type of work I looking at because it's just raw. Because it's not set up, it's not really staged so much. It's just mm-hmm. kind of real people. And with the Nightwalker stuff, what was kind of like your? How did that kind of begin? Like, what was kind of your goal with that project? I guess. Um, again, I think it just started off as an exercise. Yeah. Uh, I just moved into this apartment over in Bed-Stuy. Um, it was still kind of in the process of changing. Um, and I was obviously like the face of that change. Uh, and, you know, I thought it was a good excuse to get to know people in the neighborhood a little bit more. Uh, you know, so I, I literally just walked around with a Mamiya RZ 6.7. It looked like you were shooting, uh, like you almost like go to the corner store. At, like the That's con- exactly it. It was awesome. Those yeah. lights are the best, man. Corner store, it's like beautiful. Fl- fluorescence. Or like, it's like almost Kino flows on the corner. No, it's crazy. I mean, everyone's like, well, was this lit? <laughs> and no, you know, I shot it with like 800 speed Portra. Yeah. Um, with the, you know, medium format camera on a tripod. But even like, you know, you realize that even like that has an effect on how people react to you you know uh, in terms of like what kind of camera you use and how you approach them and you know it's like i feel like people would react differently if i had you know the generic five can't yeah exactly canon 5d with the you know the red ring going around the lens you know even though people don't necessarily know exactly what it is they always associate it with like you know uh, paparazzi or you know uh, you know the typical uh, pro consumer kind of camera yeah so when you bring uh, you know, something as big as a Mamiya RZ, I think people sort of have an, you know, an inclination to be a little bit more curious about it. It's an experience. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're creating an experience and then it creates a dialogue. So they go, oh, what is this? What are you doing? You know, and then you bring out the light meter and like, what's that? Or if you want to break out something, you want to go crazy, you want to break out some like Polaroids or something. Totally. <laughs> and it, and it's and it's really nice and it, and it becomes um, this interactive experience and they, they become a part of it, which... I think helps a lot yeah definitely. Um, and it opens them up really really quickly which is kind of what it's about yeah definitely i agree and i guess just to kind of go back like when you're at rit i guess like when you're kind of getting out like did you have a goal in mind for the type of work you wanted to do like obviously looking at your website now you shoot for rolling stone vulture uh you did some campaigns for north face did you kind of have a goal in mind of what you wanted to be doing once you got out um i mean i i, I feel like this is exactly what i want to be doing where I think, you know, I've always thought that your personal work should kind of inform everything else. Mm -hmm. And I've always been in this kind of realm of documentary, but kind of all-encompassing documentary where you're shooting, I guess what you would would call reportage, you know, kind of further back, like fly on the wall, but then also interacting and, and getting really vulnerable portraits, then also trying to get details. And I think it's all these you know, the, these methods of shooting create this sort of three-dimensional narrative that not, you know, just a single element of those, of that, you know, that way of shooting is okay, but it, it just becomes kind of one-dimensional. And when you put them all together, it just creates this much more, um, again, like three-dimensional kind of uh, uh, narrative. Yeah, definitely. And once you kind of got out of school, did you kind of go straight into shooting or did you do any assisting once you kind of got out of RIT? What was kind of your first kind of step getting into the business side? Yeah, I, I, uh, I went into assisting first. Um, when I was in college, I had two two interning gigs where I was interning for, um, for Mary Ellen Mark. Wow. And I was also in 
intern for this National Geographic photographer named uh, Michael Yamashita. Um, so again, very like documentary backgrounds. Um, but I've, I've always admired Mary Ellen Mark's work because I loved her portraiture. I just thought it was beautiful. And she also had a kind of curiosity about, um, you know, these different worlds and kind of characters. And um, I thought she did a, you know, really beautiful job of exploring, uh, you know, these sort of different, different lives. Um, so when I got out of college, uh, basically Mary Ellen Mark's studio asked me if I wanted to be an assistant. So I, I said, yeah. Um, and that lasted for a little bit. Like I, I'm not a good assistant. Yeah. I'm like, I'm a, I'm a bad assistant. Like I was not, I just don't, I, I don't know. I, for some reason, I just, I, I couldn't wrap my head around it. And I remember Marilyn Mark got really pissed at me one time. I was doing this shoot. I think it was with like Jimmy Fallon, some celebrity job. Yeah. And um, I had to hold the, like the big diffusion umbrella in front of uh, Jimmy Fallon. And uh, she yelled at me. She's like, you know, you're in my frame. So I like, I backed up a little bit. And, and she's like, you're still in my fucking frame. Oh, wow. And, and like another assistant like grabbed it out of my hands. And I was like, this sucks. Like, Damn. I was just, I don't know. It's tough. It's like, uh, I feel sad. I did it for a couple of years out of school. I mean, I learned a lot, but it's, it's like a skill because you have to be good at like anticipating what other people want. Exactly. And the thing that I struggled with was like, I was always just like, I didn't want to like fuck up. And I was just like, you kind of have to have the initiative to like do something, anticipate what that person wants. But it was always tough because yeah. like I was always assisting different people and each photographer is different. And I mean, I learned a lot on in that aspect, but yeah, it is like, there's a certain skill personality, I think to be good at that. Yeah. No, no, totally. Um, and I knew that I wanted to shoot. Hmm. I, I like I knew like that that's where I ultimately wanted to end up. And obviously, everyone takes a different road to that point. Yeah. Um, so for me, it was doing that, assisting a, a bit, and then uh, I went up working for art department. Oh, the the, the photo agency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was super random. Um, they hired me to do like kind of in-house retouching. Uh, somehow I got. Interesting. So the photographers they represented would send you their work and you'd retouch it for them. Sort of. It was it was weird. Like I did basically I was like retouching their tear sheets for the website. Like it was super tedious. Like it was like maybe one of the most tedious jobs ever. <laughs> um but looking back on it in retrospect, I, I learned a lot from it just because the amount of work that you kind of were forced to You kinda of see how they market all these photographers. It was great. It was like essentially having your finger on the pulse of the of the industry. Yeah. And, you know, as I said before, it's like, you know, uh, RIT had a very specific aesthetic and you realize that, oh, there's stuff beyond that, you know, mm. and you see how people shoot fashion and you see how people incorporate documentary into shooting fashion work or editorial. And like there, it, it just kind of opened my eyes to, to what was happening. And um, it was actually, it, it helped a lot, honestly. And, you know, at the time I was really, I was not so into it, but again, looking back on it in retrospect, it, it really helped sort of um, inform my my own aesthetic and kind of refine it a little bit more yeah definitely man and uh i guess like how do you kind of make the transition i guess you kind of talked about it a little bit like from assisting to photographer like what were you kind of doing to get your work out there like what were kind of some of the first assignments you were doing um i think it's really just about shooting consistent personal work i mean even now i think personal work is always really important like 
regardless of what you're doing, whether you're assisting or, you know, working with an, with an ad agency or whatever, um, the only way I think you're going to get work is by making work and creating work. Yeah. Um, so while I was at art department, I was shooting a series on boxing, which I eventually like became this little like self-published book, which wound up getting me a lot of other work. Um, but you know, and it, it was just like, honestly, it was just about shooting as much as possible and getting it in front of people and getting it in front of the right eyes. Uh, and then hopefully someone sees something in that, and they'll hire you for, you know, like a, a test shoot. You know, like I, I did an assignment for, I think one of the first assignments I did was a small magazine called Art Rocker, uh, which is a um, British music magazine. I didn't get paid anything. I think I rented a 5D for $200 because that's what it cost back then. Yeah. Um, but I met the manager of this band and that literally helped me with everything else. Like, it's kind of crazy. It was, you realize how important it is meeting people and knowing people. And, like, it's so cliche, the whole, like, networking, whatever. Oh, yeah. um, but it, it was really, really true in my case. And uh, she helped me so much. She helped me get a lot of music work. Um, and then it just kind of snowballed from there. And then, again, having that RIT connection, I had a couple friends who, was work, who were working at New York Times Magazine. Mm. So that got their eyeballs onto, onto that work. Um, so I wound up getting both music work and uh, sports work through the through the boxing project, and it just kind of went from there. Um, so you know, it, it's it's not like it just happens. It, 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 you know, there's a starting point, mm. and I think it's just about creating that that you know that personal work, creating like a solid body of work, and then yeah. showing it to as many people as possible. Yeah, man, I agree. It's just like showing up every day, and it's mm-hmm. like doing a little bit every day, like getting your work out there, emailing some person, trying to show it some new editor some work you're doing or shooting a new personal project it's like day by day it like it's not like it's like a, i look at it, it's a marathon yeah um yeah totally and uh you know one thing i kind of always ask people did it kind of take you a while to kind of find your like aesthetic or like photographic style like your photographic approach looking at your work you shoot like a lot of natural light but then you'll sometimes do like looks like on camera flash um did it kind of take you a while to kind of find your voice i guess your aesthetic i suppose yeah, definitely. And I think it's always changing and evolving, which I think is how it should be. Otherwise, it would get boring. Mm. Um, I mean, I think most of the time I, I like, I just like the the minimalism of shooting natural light. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of having like a ton of equipment. Yeah. I, do, I mean, I do it when I have to, but ideally I like trying to figure it out. Like it becomes kind of like a puzzle. It's like a different way of thinking, you know, it's like trying to find the light and trying to find the situation, trying to find the environment that works as opposed to like creating it and setting it up. Um, and I mean, honestly, like I'm, cause I'm not, not even like that big of a gearhead. Yep. Um, like I think a lot of that stuff is just like, like tools in order to get a certain aesthetic. Um, so for me, I've always been sort of drawn towards you know the 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 less is is better the people the story yeah i mean i think it's about interaction and obviously capturing it is yeah the name of the game but if you don't have a good subject and you don't have you know if you're, if someone isn't opening up to you or or you don't have that access then you know it's all all the rest of it is kind of pointless mm-hmm. um but you know again i think it evolves it's like you know if you're doing ad work there's a lot of production involved there's a lot of lighting there's a lot of moving parts so you kind of have to be good at 
at a lot of different things. But personally, I love I love just keeping it as natural as possible. That's like my idea. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. Less is more. Yeah, exactly. And like, have you ever felt like you needed to like create work to attract clients? Because obviously, like you just shot a big campaign for North Face. Mm-hmm. Like, do you feel like you're sometimes trying to create work that's going to attract like commercial clients? Or do you feel like you're just kind of shooting the work that you're inspired by, enjoy putting it out there and hope hopefully someone's going to receive it? Uh, because it is, it's like a weird balance because... Uh, or maybe not, because uh, you're doing this to make money, make a living. Uh, do, is it the kind of like a balance you think, or how, how do you look at it? Yeah, think? exactly. I think it's a balance. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to be going out shooting things that I don't want to shoot. Mm. Um, but I think it's also kind of having it in the back of my mind what would translate well into advertising. And I mean, I think that that doesn't necessarily happen as you're shooting it either. You know, sometimes like it comes into play as you're editing, you know, like right now I'm putting together a promo piece, you know, I'm like, okay, well, what will resonate with people? Obviously I want it to be, um, you know, true to myself and, and, you know, I, I want to be, I want to be showing work that I feel inspired by, mm-hmm. but also having it relatively commercially viable, I think is also important just because again, it's like, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not that like traditional artist where, you know, you have to, you write grants yeah. and you, you know, I'm, I don't, I'm not good at that. I don't really go down that road. So I'd prefer to just get commercial work yeah. that, you know, as closely resembles my, you know, the creative as closely resembles what I, what I do in my personal works. So I mean, that's the goal I think is to just kind of, ha- you know, if you lined up your personal editorial mm. and commercial work, it would all look very similar. That's kind of, you know, yeah, definitely. The goal. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And with like the advertising stuff, is that something uh, you enjoy doing? Because they kind of hire you to kind of, uh, it's someone, it's like an art director's idea and you're there to kind of like make it happen. Uh, Is that something you kind of enjoy kind of bringing someone else's idea to life? Sure. I mean, I I think it's like, it's just a different, different way of looking at things. And sometimes it can be fun, you know, it it can go both ways. Um, But for the most part, if you're working with, you know, a creative director who's decisive and, and has a great visual eye, um, you know, in a lot of cases, uh, you know, they're just, they're just filling your blind spots. You know, you can't see everything. And, you know, I'll be looking at something in a, in a very specific way and they'll be looking at something more from like, you know, business um, uh, product kind of side, which I don't necessarily see all the time. And, and, you know, I think a lot of these cases it's collaborative and, and when it's collaborative, it's great. It, you know, it's you know not so dissimilar from from making a movie or something. You know, when you make a movie, you know, you, you have the director, you have the DP, you have the cameraman, you have the sound guy, and hopefully everyone's on the same page. And and when it works, it's amazing. And I think that that's always a really great feeling when you have a really solid team because it's obviously not just creative directors. You know, you have stylists, producer, producer. I mean, but everyone involved. You have uh, hair and makeup. Yep. You have you know the whole the whole process is um it's uh you know there's it's very collaborative and so when you have people that you know are good um good with like you know teamwork and Mm -hmm. uh you know that that's kind of the best because you create something that that you all kind of own did it take you a while to get comfortable working on those like ad sets because with editorial a lot of times it could be just you maybe one assistant and with advertising like you're saying it could be like 20 people on set did it kind of take you a while to get because at the end of the day on those sets you're everyone's looking to you to what answer whatever question they have yeah hands that yeah it's it definitely 
it was definitely a learning experience and there's definitely like a learning curve involved. Yeah. I mean, I'm still learning. Cause it's know? like, it's like client services because it's yeah. like, you're there to obviously fulfill the job, but then there's like kind of a dog and pony show a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, of course. Um, yeah. I mean, it definitely, it's definitely a different like muscle that you're flexing mm -hmm. and it, it just, it takes a while to get that stronger and it just takes a lot of practice. Yep. Um, yeah, and as you said, it's like with a lot of editorial, it's, it's this very like intimate relationship between you and the and the uh, uh, subject. Yep. And then you have this sort of like different, you know, a lot of people don't realize a lot of those photos. You know, you have like sixty people behind you. It's crazy. Oh yeah. It's you know some of these big ad shoots, um, which can be intimidating. But I think it's like for me, it's like about trusting your instinct yep. and like learning not to overthink. And reel in everyone's attention. Because mm -hmm. if there's all those people, there's this, like, you know how it is. There's, like, yeah. a million people behind. But you got to, like, ha focus that talent into, like, yeah. getting what you need to, like, get. Yeah, and I think that, you know, a lot of that has to do with preparation. Mm -hmm. You know, going into it. Um, you know, I think that a lot of, I don't know why, but I think a lot of clients these days are enamored, enamored by this idea of, like, run-and-gun style and, like, mm -hmm. uh, kind of spontaneous. And that's fine. But I think that at the end of the day, it still needs to be relatively thought out. You know, I think that you still need... It can look run and gun, but it's yeah. not all the time. Right. I, I mean, I think yeah. I think there's like... You know, I, I know we see this on creative calls where it's like, you know, it's great. You know, I'm, I'm all about improvising and being spontaneous. But at the same time, I want to hit these marks because this is an ad. And, you know, somewhere there's someone who's trying to sell a product and, and I want them to be happy, you know, because yeah. ultimately that's my job. Yeah. Um, and so I need to make sure that I'm hitting the marks that they want. It's not just so spontaneous that you can just do whatever you want. So I'd prefer to just like have that upfront, be like, okay, what do you want? What do you need? And just have that spelled out. That mm -hmm. just helps me so much going into it. Yeah. Yeah. The creative calls, that's a skill in itself. <laughs> yeah. Trying to convey your idea and cause you are selling yourself. Um, yeah. How do you approach those calls? And then even more so like, uh, the treatments, I, I I've become like a big part of like with the advertising, you have to put these treatments together. How do you approach those? Because I've done it and it's weird. Like on one hand, like you want to get the job obviously, but you don't want to become off like too salesy. Like it's, it's tough. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's a really weird industry. I mean, it's a thin <laughs> line to walk because obviously you're, you know, you're a business, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're a small business owner. Yep. And I think a lot of people don't realize that getting yep. into photography. Oh, um, yeah. And, you know, I was, I started off not being super great at self-promotion and I've gotten so much better. Yep. Because I was, I, just, I always just felt really uncomfortable talking about myself, but um, yeah, you kind of, I mean, you know, you have to learn. You have it's to like, do it. If, if you're going to survive in this industry, you better learn. Oh yeah. Um, And, and again, it's like, there's a certain art to doing a creative call and you know sometimes i'll i'll have like even like a little script or i'll just write everything out mm -hmm. to begin with and be like okay i'm going to talk about this and then this will go to this and this will go to this um you know and they're tricky there is awkward and people are talking over each other there's there's uh, those silences are the worst the worst is at the end when everyone's like okay yeah all right i guess we're done here and you're just like oh it's it's really awkward sometimes but you know whatever it's uh it's part of the job and um you know, you, you learn how to navigate it. I mean, it's all just a learning process. And I think that that's what makes this industry and this job so fun. It's because otherwise I think it would be boring. You know, if you just knew what to do all the time, like, 
yeah who's interested in that yeah i like it man you keep building like every assignment's a new challenge and then obviously the advertising is a whole different set of challenges and the longer you do it, you kind of keep getting stronger and stronger at it i think yeah and plus the industry is just changing so much i mean it's changed so significantly over the past you know five years and you have to adapt like otherwise you're going to become a dinosaur so have you ever felt like it with so many people nowadays um especially with the advertising a lot of these ad agencies are kind of looking to hire like the whole asset package where they're going to shoot stills and motion do you feel like have you ever felt like a need to like jump into that motion world like at all or what's your kind of take uh it's tough like, um <laughs> yes yes <laughs> uh i mean honestly i, I kind of wish i had listened to that National Geographic photographer back in college, because he told me he was like, "You better get in video." Like that was back in like 2004. He told me that. Yep. And I was like, "Yeah, whatever." And um, I mean, I think that the problem is, is that a lot of people who don't shoot just assume that video and photography stills, you know, is it's, it's the like same. the same thing. And you're like, "No, it's a different animal. It's just like a totally different way of thinking and a totally different way of interacting." Um, and who knows? I think that that might be, you know, another step. Yeah. Um, it's just a massive learning curve. I kind of, I make the analogy that like a farmer grows food doesn't mean he's a chef. You know what right, I mean? Right, right, right. It's like that. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting because I know so many people try to jump into it, but then if you, if you don't have a passion for it, like, I don't think it really makes sense. Like, I think that's literally, was that from a Mitch Hedberg joke? Yeah, I think that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that because Mitch Hedberg, I remember he was talking on stage about how he was a stand-up comic and he like everyone was asking him to act or write or something like that, yeah, write yeah, scripts, and they're was. like, all right, you're a stand-up comedian. Can you, uh, yeah. can you write? And he's like, I don't know. You don't go up to a chef. He's like, all right, well, can you farm? It's like, no. no one, and, and no one under, understands that. And even it's like, you know, people who aren't in the industry don't understand, you know, even just the difference in terms of like the fact that there's a huge difference between like still life and portraiture. Everyone just kind of lumps it in with this yep. photography category. You know, my, my parents don't understand what, the, what I do. And they're just like, yeah. how's taking photos, you know? <laughs> like, I mean, I had a friend who came up to me and uh, he was talking about how he had a friend who um, was doing food photography and he was like, oh man, yeah, he's making a lot of money. You should you should think about doing that, like food photography. And he was into music. Yeah. And I was like, hey, like, you know that Justin Bieber guy? Like, I heard he makes a lot of money, like, making music. Like, maybe you should start singing like him. And it's just because like, they're just different. Like, I get it. It's both music, but they're two, two totally different genres and two totally different things. Yeah. And once you're, once you're in the industry, you, you realize that. But people who are, like, not in it, just, like, it's so... I mean, whatever. It's it's difficult to kind of communicate the, the oh, process. Oh, yeah, definitely. And even, like, you could say, like, oh, I shoot sports. Well, there's so many different genres. There's, like, the guys who shoot the games. Then there's guys who shoot, like, high-key, super strobed mm -hmm. out stuff. Then there's, like, the stuff you kind of do where it's, like, natural. It's just, like, so many, like, yeah. subcategories of, like, everything. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. And, um, you know, one shoot I had to ask you about, um, you photographed one of the last portraits of Mac Miller, the uh, hip-hop artist who recently passed away, I think, what, in September? Mm -hmm. um, how was that assignment? Because that guy was this, like... Uh, a really amazing musician and from this like looking at all these interviews all these different artists like that guy seemed like beloved by like almost every musician it was pretty wild to see the response after that guy passed away yeah but how was your experience photographing him um it was fine i mean he was great it was very loose like i you know you never really know what to expect when you're photographing both musicians, you know, or, you know, a celebrity, yep. you know, at that, at that stage, he was 
kind of a celebrity, especially with um, his ex-girlfriend and all like the paparazzi, uh, paparazzi and TMZ and all, yeah. all this bullshit. Yeah. Um, he was really down to earth, really, really nice, super goofy, um, kind of down to do whatever. Um, you know, we went to his, his room over in, was it Bowery Hotel? Yeah. And just hung out. He didn't have like a massive crew around him. You know, it, um, he didn't have this publicist who was just like a, you know, pain in the ass. He, he you know, it, it worked out really well. Um, and it was fun. And it, it was kind of like collaborative and, yeah. Uh, he was a really nice guy, honestly. Like one of the, one of the friendliest, goofiest guys I've ever met. And he was really sweet towards his fans. You know, we started shooting out in the street and everyone recognized him immediately and yeah. asked for selfies and, you know, all this stuff. And he was super accommodating. It was, um, you know, I, I didn't honestly didn't really know much about him. Yeah. Um, it's just not my, you know, that kind of music just isn't really my cup of tea. But his, you know, his last album's great. Mm-hmm. I've been listening to it, and um, yeah, it was, it was crazy after that. Yeah, the response. It must because I saw was, your I saw your photos after he passed away. It was like I saw the photos everywhere. I think that a lot you did like a photo of him like kind of covering his face in one. I saw that photo everywhere. It was nuts. It was it was really it was kind of surreal. Like. And and I've never had to deal with that, like in terms of, you know, social media and and. Or do you like a lot of people reaching out to you? Or? Of a ton, but and a lot of it was like weird. Like there was a lot of weird people, because um, I actually did an interview here at this table as well. Yeah, I'm not sure if you saw it. Yeah. Um, um, but I had people like messaging me on Instagram, like I'm not sure if they were trolling or if they were serious. Like I I couldn't I couldn't figure it out, but. Everyone was like obsessed with this pose, and they're like, "Is it the Illuminati?" Like, it's uh, like, what are you talking? Re- about? The reading way too into like, it. No, no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> you crazy? It's like, what are you talking about? It's just like there's like stop looking into it. Yeah, you know. And and for me, like when I took that photo, I thought it was the perfect pose because it's this guy who who wasn't really so into that paparazzi tabloid lifestyle and mm-hmm. i think he was kind of haunted by that so me for me i'm like that's perfect he's like peeking up behind his eye i'm like that that's the shot yep um yeah no it was interesting because i remember i saw like uh like g easy had a concert and he, he used dude, your photo on, on the uh stage it was like projected like massive I, mean, was... I wish i <laughs> wish i knew about that I, I got like a message from some friends yeah and then like after actually after that video that i did that that other like video interview mm-hmm. um my like phone number was on my lens. Like I have, like I have it on my lens, my name and phone number. Wow. And I guess someone saw it and I, I, I talked to the videographer cause I was like, Hey, make sure that my number isn't on there. And I guess he forgot. Uh. And so I started getting like messages and phone calls from strangers, like just all over the place. So I like now I think it's blurred out. Man. Um, yeah, it was really, really weird, really weird. Yeah. That's crazy, man. Um, and I guess, like, you know, one thing I was interested in talking to you about, like, obviously, as you know, this business is, there's a lot of ups and downs. Um, have you ever had times where it's been, like, a struggle? And, like, how do you kind of push through those times? Uh, because it can be tough, like, especially when you're first starting out, you don't have a lot of clients, but you're still trying to pay those bills. Like, how do you kind of manage those tough times? I mean, I think in the beginning, it was really just about, keeping overhead as low as possible, which I know is really hard here in the city. Yep. Um, but, you know, it's like, did you ever listen to the, um, what's his name? It's a good crazy. 
there's this interview with this comedian on uh, the Mark Maron podcast. Yeah. What's his name? Lee? What's his name? Uh, he, he was on Mad TV. Shit, Lee? I know so many stand for me. I can't think of Lee. Uh, this is going to drive me crazy. Anyway, but he was saying it's like, you know, in order to survive, you know, the, the comedy industry is like you sort of have to be be like a cockroach. Like you, you always have to be surviving everything. Yeah. You, know, you have to survive a, a, a nuclear blast, you know? Mm. And um, I think the same is sort of true. I mean, with any of the arts, you know, kind of there's ups and downs, but I think it's ultimately keeping your overhead as low as possible. Um, you know, I had like three roommates. My name was on the lease though. Like that was the smart thing that I did. Um, so I could keep my rent super, super, you know, like low. Yep. Um, you know, you just learn to be really frugal, but you're also, um, you know, trying to create as much work as possible and hustle. So I think it's a combination of those two things. And, you know, it's tricky, especially when you get used to, you know, some years you have great years mm-hmm. and, um, and you just have to remember to save your money. Yeah. Like, you know, save it for a rainy day. Yeah. You, who knows what, you know, 2016 for me was a great year. 2017, not so great. Yeah. And it was really, really hard. It was really tricky to get through. And it's, it can oftentimes be disheartening. And, you know, I mean, just freelance in general, you know, you get a job and then you don't hear from people for a while and you go, oh, shit, I hope that wasn't my, my last job ever. And it's easy to go into that. Yeah, did I fuck up? Like, into, well, do, they, do, they not, do they not like me? Like, yeah, am, I, am I a dick? Uh, <laughs> it's so easy to go to that place of, you know, uh, I don't know, being like, you know, thinking about it in terms of like a catastrophe and, yeah. and, and going down that road. And, you know, I think that it's also just about trying to be healthy in that space. You know, for me, it's like, you know, if it's exercising, you know, for me, it's like going and oh, boxing yeah. and... Yep. And just maintaining a routine and schedule so you don't go nuts. Yeah. And also just being proactive and, and you know, trying to get meetings and send out promo pieces. Because all those things that you're doing, I think it's ultimately like sowing seeds. And hopefully they'll oh yeah they'll sprout. And some of those seeds, uh, they grow in like a week. And sometimes they grow in five years or some don't grow at all. Yeah. No, it's it's hard. It's really, really hard. And, and especially when you know, you can barely pay your rent. You're like, oh shit, how am I going to make this work? It's scary. It's it's super scary. Um, you know, but that's the name of the game. Yeah, it's keep pushing through, keep shooting photos, and hopefully it works out. <laughs> well, but, well, I think it's like also um, like learning not only to like survive in that lifestyle, but kind of thrive. Like, um, like I, I love uh, Jerry Seinfeld. He's one of my favorite comedians. I think he's so smart. And, uh, he just lives life in this very rational, rational way. And he always has really good advice. And he said a couple things that I think really resonated with me. He, he said one thing where it was like, choose your torture. Um, you know, whether it's relationships, whether it's your job, whether it's working out, whatever, there's always going to be a certain amount of torture, um, regardless, no matter what you do. And as long as you're not only okay with that, but you thrive within that torture, then, then you'll, you'll do great. Um, there's this really great, uh, you should watch it if you haven't seen it called, um, it's this documentary called uh, Comedian. And it's about him essentially just coming off his the sitcom and trying to get back into stand-up. And, uh, and it's kind of following his path and then this other like kind of parallel path of this younger comedian who's like 28. And he's kind of just on the brink of making it, but he's kind of struggling. And, and there's a scene where they're in there, <clears throat> where they're, let me grab some water. Yeah. Where they're um, where they're in a bar, and 
this guy, this younger comedian is getting advice from, from Jerry. And he's like, you know, he's like, do you ever look at all your friends and, and, you know, you, you see all of them like getting married and settling down and, you know, they have these jobs and they're, and they're doing so well, you know, which is like the epitome of, of, of like now, you know, it's like Instagram, Facebook, all the social media, you're always looking at other people's lives. And, you know, I think always comparing and he's like, you know, do you ever look at that? And you ever, you know, wonder what like your parents think or what, you know, and Jerry's like, what are you crazy? You're like what your parents think. And then he goes, let me tell you a story about show business. And I think that this applies to any sort of art. Yeah. And he goes, um, it's like, you know, the Glenn Miller orchestra is, you know, they're, they're flying to their, to a, uh, a gig and they run into into this really horrible weather, and they're forced to to land in a field, you know, a couple of miles away from this gig. So they so they kind of crash land in the in this field, and they're all dressed in their tuxedos, and they're ready to, um, you know, ready to go to this this, uh, this gig. Um, and they all have their their instruments, and they walk outside, and it's just sleeting and hailing. It's disgusting, and they have their their nice shoes on, and they're trudging through the snow, and it's muddy and just awful. And in the middle of this field, there's this uh, there's this house, and, and and the windows are lit up, and there's a chimney, and there's there's smoke coming out of the chimney. So they go and they walk over, and they kind of look through the window, and there's this kind of perfect family, perfect wife, perfect kid, you know, this kind of Norman Rockwell esque scene. They're all having dinner with the fireplace going, and they're outside looking in, you know, through the window. They're getting pelted with rain, you know, they're just wet with all their instruments. Um, and one guy turns to the other, and he goes. Uh, how do they live like that? And like, that's what it's about. You know, it's about not being okay with that other thing. You know, like for me, it's like, I could never work in an office job. Like that would drive me crazy. I could never work nine to five. Yeah. I'd go nuts. So what's the alternative? And it's like doing what I, I'm doing now. Yeah. Um, you make shit happen for yourself. Yeah. And, and, you know, and again, there's a certain element of torture. Yeah. You know, there's, there's down times, which are really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes there's, it's just difficult dealing with all these people and personalities. It's, it's hard, you know, being a director, whatever it is, there's always going to be a certain element of torture. But when it's like compared to what the alternative would be, it's like, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to do anything else. And I think that it's important always kind of having that in the back of your head. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And I think, I don't know about you, but I feel like the longer you, you do it um, and you kind of slowly build, but you have to constantly have your fucking foot on the gas. And like, like you said, to continually promote yourself and work with new clients and it over time do you feel like the longer you do it like this kind of more opportunities kind of pop up and like weird <laughs> weird spots kind of i mean it's it's a you know it's a lifestyle honestly i mean that sounds so cliche but it's it's true it's like you kind of have to live breathe eat what you're doing and you know you're you're working way more hours than oh yeah than other people like every day <laughs> you know nine to five you don't just like you know um stamp your card and you and you you know clock out at five like but i the thing is i enjoy it you know i love working on these promo pieces i love editing you know i love you know because it's it's your brand it's what you do i fucking love working on saturdays because you know (laughs) like saturday evening it sounds stupid i'm serious because there's not really going to be any incoming email but that's like when the time you can catch up on all the other shit totally you know know, i I love it like again I, i think i've always sort of embraced that like solitude of the art and i think you know, I, that's why I love editing because I think it's like, you're, you know, I just put on headphones, listen to music and just go and, oh, that's great. and edit. And, you know, again, I'd rather be promoting myself than promoting someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. And you dictate 
how you want to live. Like there's something really freeing about that. You know, and I think that that's my ultimate goal. I think that's, you know, a lot of people, people's ultimate goal is like, freedom, just like ultimate freedom, you know, or as close as you can get to that. Yeah. And you know, you're never going to be totally there. But for me, it's like, I want to be as close to that as possible. Yeah, I agree. And uh, a few more questions, I'll let you go. Yeah. Um, one thing I was interested in talking to you about, um, I know you have a rep, I believe it's a giant artist. Yeah. I was curious, like, um, how, how did you kind of decide to partner with them? Um, what do you feel like they bring to the table for you? And how did you know that they were kind of the right uh, partner for you? Um, funny enough, it, it started with that same music manager who I met on the first shoot that I ever did. And she was the one who kind of recommended I reach out. Um, and so they, they were like kind of the first, the first reps on my radar. They kind of had, they, they had a cool aesthetic. Um, it wasn't like overly technical. It wasn't, um, you know, overly airbrushed. Like it wasn't overly commercial. Like I felt like, uh, like I could relate to those images. I could relate to what they had, like their brand, you know, which is very, again, I, I hate to use this word, but it's very like lifestyle you know? Yeah. And I was like, okay, well I can do that. And, you know, I just felt like it resonated with me. Um, and what they bring to the table. I mean, first of all, uh, I mean, it's sort of like being drafted to like, team you know uh i I think it adds uh a certain it's another uh, gear well i mean it it adds a certain amount of like validity to who you are as an artist and i think people are more willing to take a chance with you Mm -hmm. um if you have the backing of this company like uh and and i think that it kind of opens the doors to shooting much more advertising like because i never shot advertising really before that yep um and you know they have their own relationships with clients which is amazing yeah um they uh so you know they can get you meetings which is which is just so important mm-hmm. uh you know and and i think you know they have that that list of of people that you send everything out to so you know this next promo piece i'll make like you know 1500 copies and you know they have the whole list i'm like okay let's send this out yeah so you just get so many you know i don't have that list and be great you know and and they kind of do that legwork which is you know, amazing. And, and and they're promoting you, which is super important. So it's like, you know, obviously I'm promoting myself as well. I'm, I'm putting a lot of work into that, but um, it's good to have someone else who does that or someone else who, you know, deals with, you know, let's say negotiating uh, contracts and negotiating rates, yep. which is always really, really tricky. I think that's hard for any photographer because it just seems so arbitrary. Yep. Um, but, you know, that's, that's what they do. And they know, how to ask and what to ask. And there's a little bit of a buffer that you have between you and the client. Yeah. It's you know, a little bit of bad cop. You're the, good crea- cop. you're the creative person and they handle all the other shit. Yeah. Which is, which is really important. I think that a lot of the times you need that, mm-hmm. that buffer, you know? Um, so yeah, that's good. So I feel I'm like gonna that. it's been uh, beneficial for you then. Yeah. Oh, totally. That's good. It's always interesting. Cause it is tough. Cause like, you want to partner with someone who, who's going to work as hard as you're going to work. Yeah. Then that's, I think the hard thing to find, I guess. Um, but I guess just to kind of wrap up, I mean, like you've been doing this for a while. Uh, what do you think kind of keeps you going? Um, what keeps you inspired and, uh, kind of anything you're looking to work on in the, in 2019, I guess. Um, keeps me going and inspired. I mean, I think it's just, uh, I mean, being curious, uh, you know, both visually and intellectually, you know, uh, 
reading newspapers, reading the news, seeing what's going on, seeing what resonates with you and, and, and not being, I guess like being open to being inspired because you realize that that's so important. Um, you know, you look at how many, you know, because everything comes from someplace. Mm-hmm. It's not like, I think it's I'm extremely rare that someone just comes up with something out of the, out of the, the, the blue. I think that everything is sort of like, like a lot of artists take something and then they add on to it. So it's a matter of knowing what to take and being open to taking things and open to being inspired. Um, that that kind of pushes things along you know whether it's you know design you know like i for the again for this promo it's like pulling all the design i can and, and being like oh i love this this lettering i love these fonts and and oh, i'd love to do this so, you know or even with a book like oh you know i want to learn how to design my own book and print it and you know or just having a natural curiosity like you know when i was in mexico doing um, a job I watched like a lucha libre. Oh yeah, you, you wrestling match. Yeah, you got the back cover of uh, Victory Journal this month. Yeah, so that was like, you know, that was a personal project that I pitched to them, and I already shot it, and I, and I, I just decided to go down there again and explore it because it was really weird and interesting to me, and I was like, I want to know more about this, and not only that, but I, I it spoke to me visually. I'm like, this could look really really cool. Yeah. Um, and then it's about doing that legwork, and you know, I wound up getting in touch with like the guy, you know, the promotional company. Um, and he was able to get me a backstage pass and it was just, you know, hitting people up and, and not being afraid to, yeah. to kind of put your, put yourself out there. Hell yeah. Um, and it's easy to be inspired these days. I think, you know, with Instagram, Pinterest, you know, um, I mean, if anything, I think it's, you know, almost overwhelming. There's so much stuff yeah, it out is, there. Yeah, it is so much stuff out it's there. It's hard. It's hard to sift through it. It's like, that's the thing with all the social media and, you know, it's like, there's so much more work, but it's like, you kind of have to sift off like the top. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you have to sift off the top layer of cream. <laughs> yeah, definitely, man. And I guess uh, for 2019, anything you're hoping to work on or any goals or anything like that? Um, I think it's just about staying busy. Uh, you know, I had a lot of great repeat clients this year. I want to kind of continue doing that as well as adding some more clients. I'd love to shoot some more editorial. Yep. Um, kind of back, get back in with some of the, you know, the editorial clients that I've shot with in the past, you know, just keeping busy shooting personal work, making things. I think that's what it's about making things all the time. And that's what, you know, that's the thing. I think a lot of people forget that, you know, the key word to being creative is creating. And I think a lot of people like to say that they're creative, but then they don't do anything and they just sit around. So it's just about doing it, like actually sitting down and making something and doing it and putting it in front of as many eyes as you can. So that's kind of the goal. Yeah, I like it, man. Well, uh, Chris Don, can't thank you enough, man, for taking the time to do this. Uh, I've been following your work for years, so I definitely appreciate it. And uh, for people listening, where's the best place to check out your work? Um, I mean, either my Instagram, which is just my name, Chris Don Felber, C-H-R-I-S-T-A-A-N. It's a weird one. Uh, or my website, kristanfelber.com. Perfect. I'll link it and people can go check it out. And uh, thanks so much, man. Dude, thank you so much. So there you have it. That was the Chris Don Felber interview. 
I want to thank Chris Don so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. I uh, really enjoyed speaking to him about his work. Like I said, been a big fan of his work for a little while now. Um, lots of cool stuff he's working on. So definitely go check out his website at ChrisDonFelber.com as well as his Instagram at ChrisDonFelber. Um, he has lots of cool photos on there and he's always updating with different projects he's working on. So yeah, definitely go check that out. And as always, I'll be having weekly podcasts every Monday on iTunes, SoundCloud, as well as my website, alexgagnephoto.com, and on my Instagram, at alexgagnephoto. Thanks so much for listening, and take care.